The Life Series. Powered by Amicus. With your host, Heather Story. Welcome back to the live series podcast brought to you by Amicus. This is the podcast that brings you uh, insight into the life and role of tech leaders from all over the world. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Max Brensel. Uh, he's co-founder and CEO uh, over at Spoke.ai. Welcome. Thanks for your time, Max. How are you doing? Good. Thanks for having me. Perfect. Um, I've been pretty excited to have you on. Um, I think Spoke AI is a really interesting concept. But before we kind of get to that, um, do you want to just maybe for people who haven't heard of yourself or any of your work, just kind of walk walk us through your experience in tech up to now? Yeah, cool. Happy to. Um, so I'm originally from Germany and then after living abroad, moved back to Berlin in 2016. Um, had my, my first startup experience here, joined N26 in the fintech industry back then was fairly early stage around series a 60 people in the team i spent three years there saw the team grow to more than 1500 people i believe um, and worked across international expansion and strategic projects for international markets and then back then first got a taste for working um, in a startup uh, and with technology um, in the b2c setting back then but still was a very cool cool start for me and then after that, um, spent some time in the micro mobility industry as well, um, which uh, similarly was B2C software driven, but also had a more of a hardware and operations component, um, which was an interesting time. And then after that, um, during COVID, started to build my first own company. Yeah, it's it's an incredible amount of kind of expansion that you've, you've overseen, isn't it, in your career? excuse me um I know when we were chatting before we kind of as soon as you said that you'd seen it grow to over a thousand I was like right we've got to talk about that because that's that's just uh unrivaled experience I think for any kind of leader um so then so what we threw about spoke.ai then tell me tell us about that for anyone that's not heard of it yeah happy to so the idea for spoke actually originated uh, from myself and our my co-founders team members being part of fast scaling teams and always suffering from Kind of information overload, drowning in messages, trying to work and manage communication across different tools. And so what we're building with Spoke, in essence, is AI-based summarization and using AI to distill um, and summarize communication that's happening across different tools um, and also prioritize the work that's happening across these different tools with the help of AI to um, save our users time at the end of the day. Sure, it's a really great concept, and especially when you, as someone who you've just said, has literally come from that, you've kind of seen a dilemma, you've experienced that exact dilemma, um, and then you've gone and created your own solution, which is very impressive. Um, and that that applies across it's company wide as well, isn't it? Spoke, it's not just something that is specific to tech teams and things like that. Um, and so it's 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 pretty um it's a pretty impressive idea to be honest. Um, talk me through a little bit then with with. With you saying that, obviously you saw that much expansion, and at Spoke, like how how big is the team? Like how you know, obviously you don't you don't 
necessarily have to have a huge enormous company especially someone your experience who has already obviously managed a vast amount of people and, and, a, and a varied amount of team members so um just walk me through kind of a little bit of the background about how spoke functions and and kind of a little bit about the teams and more detail there yeah happy to so we're headquartered in berlin uh we're today 17 including myself and my two co-founders jack and carl and then half of our team roughly is in Berlin and the other half is distributed across Europe and Africa. So we have, I think, total, we have people in eight different countries, but from 13 or 14 different nationalities. Yeah, so it's a very global function that's going on over there. It's, it's, it's again, it's, it's very impressive. How, how um, one, because one thing I would like to talk about is is inclusivity. And when we chatted a little bit before, you you mentioned about, um, you know, having inclusive an inclusive team and a diverse team um is important in any company but when you're dealing with ai it's exceptionally important isn't it um how did you kind of approach that what have your efforts been up to now with that side of things yeah it's a super important topic for us and one that we care about a lot um i think the background there is that in the past when we were part of fast-growing teams we've always seen that it can require if you, do, if you don't get it right from the beginning, it can require a major effort and correction to um, get your team to a place where you have more diversity. Um, and because it's sort of the self-fulfilling prophecy, that's what we always thought. If you start to have a diverse team from the beginning, then obviously in turn, it's much easier to attract more diverse candidates and so on and so forth. So what we did um, initially before we started hiring our goal from the beginning was to have a very diverse team. So we set specifically the goal of having at least 50% of the team non-male identifying, which of course is not, not the perfect measure uh, or KPI for diversity, but it, it felt like a good proxy um, and a concrete goal for us to reach. And yeah, basically we, we set out uh, when we started hiring the first team members always with this goal in mind um, and so far manage to stick to that as well yeah I think I know what you're saying a 50 50 split um in a perfect world it, it wouldn't matter that much about what the percentage is because we wouldn't have a kind of lack of diversity in tech but I, I think you're right I think 50 percent splits a good benchmark especially for any startup um and so that uh, like you you touched a little bit on kind of the consequences of, of of not having a diverse team and how much they're even more kind of impactful when it comes to AI. Um, is that something that you've seen elsewhere or is that just something that you were kind of aware of and wanted to avoid with Spoke? I think we've seen it ourselves in the past. Um, and obviously for us now, it's a very extreme case because we're building an AI product and we're building for a global market because our product is language-based. So unlike FinTech, for example, we don't have to get a license for every market that we go into, but rather from the beginning, we're addressing a very diverse audience of potential users. And that's why it was so important for us to also have that reflected within our own team, because with regards to building AI specifically, um, having having certain or not being able to detect, for example, certain biases in your training data to give an, a concrete example, can lead to suboptimal outcomes in terms of how your models then work and the output that you serve to your users, which in our case is summaries, right? might then have certain biases that then negatively impact the experience for some users, which I might not realize, but someone else on my team who maybe speaks a different language, comes from a different country, et cetera, um, would, would catch. So that's why 
in particular for AI companies, I think even more so than for other companies, it's super important to think about diversity and inclusivity in terms of the, the, the final outcome and the user experience that you're building. Yeah, it, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it? You don't want you don't want kind of three people with a similar mindset starting a company and then and then it not just not only working for people with the exact same mindset everywhere in the world. It's just not a practical thing. And and um it's interesting to to hear that you've seen it elsewhere as well, the consequences of that as well. And it's kind of something that almost sounds like an obvious thing to want to think about, but people actually implementing that. And it and it sounds like you're doing a really good job of it, to be honest, as well. Um, so in terms of, I know you said you've kind of got that 50% benchmark for yourselves. How is that going? And, and, you know, how, you know, what, how would you kind of say your team represents your aims with diversity? Yeah, I think right now we're more than 50% non-male identifying. I think it's also important though, to, to keep this benchmark in mind across, for example, maybe different levels of hierarchy you might have in your team, right? So you obviously also want your leadership team, for example, to be sufficiently diverse. So yeah, we're we're right now hitting that that benchmark, um, which is which is super exciting for us, I think. Um, so we're quite quite happy with that. But I think it also kind of there's also a couple of other things that we try to get right um, that kind of go hand in hand with this. Um, so for example, having very clear outline of remote first etiquette and what that means in terms of how you communicate across different channels, how asynchronous versus synchronous communication should work so that it feels inclusive, no matter if someone's sitting, for example, in Berlin or in Lagos, Nigeria. I think that's an important one. And then the other two areas that we thought about from the beginning are kind of the um, having a code of conduct internally, just to codify how we want to behave um, as a group and and kind of interact with each other and our general kind of working policy and making that quite flexible in terms of where you work from, what hours you work, et cetera, to be more um, inclusive, for example, for colleagues that might have different family set up, children, et cetera. <clears throat> yeah, I think you've got a lot to juggle, haven't you, especially if you're remote and you're global and it's communication, and it's AI, and you need to be diverse, and you're actually making a communications product. So if you're not getting your own principles right in that sense, then you know your product's gonna gonna suffer, isn't it? So you've you've definitely given yourself a lot a lot of work to do. But um, um, you know, it sounds like a really really good um a really good function that you have over there. Um, so let's let's talk about your efforts in in just to go back to the diversity kind of side of things that spoke. Um, how I mean, it's the million dollar question, isn't it? How do you source um, candidates to to make sure that you're kind of hitting your targets with diversity and without making it sound like you're trying to tick boxes necessarily because I don't think that that's obviously the way that you guys are doing it over there. Um, it's interesting as well that you mentioned about leadership because I think that obviously lends itself to being able to hire more diverse candidates as well if somebody or if people in the company are already kind of representing minorities and, and not necessarily you know a, a clean slate of people so um yeah just talk me through like kind of how you go about hiring and sourcing like those candidates for for diversity yeah happy to so um by now we're luckily in a position where we also get a lot of inbound applications this obviously hasn't always been the case and especially when you're just starting up I think the key for us was to really experiment a lot, like with all things as an early stage startup. So what we did is we really tested a lot of different sources to finding candidates, right? From your classic kind of like LinkedIn angel list, also to working with recruiters and then specifically briefing them around what you um, what you think 
you would like to add to the team and what, what how you understand diversity and what that means and what potential candidates should should look like and bring. Um, and so I think really trying different, many different um, sources, for different job boards. There's now also very specialized job boards for product managers, for designers, et cetera. So going into those different kind of niche um, channels and just experimenting was really, really important for us. Um, and then in the end, luckily got us a very, very diverse um, group of applicants for most of the positions that we looked like, which uh, that we were looking for, which were mostly very technical to this point, um, which um, historically, I think, makes it more difficult to find um, fewer male and more diverse candidates. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me, just based on kind of what I hear in the office between consultants and things like that, it's almost kind of if you get, say, um, I don't know, a, a female uh, engineer um, come across, it's kind of like there's at least five or six jobs on that people kind of want to interview them for and it's it's it can be a scarce market can't it at times so um but it sounds like you guys are nailing it <laughs> so um when you've got all these candidates what does your interview process then look like to to kind of kind of um encourage that diversity and to make sure that you, your interview process is just as inclusive yeah i think the first thing that i would mention is that as an early stage startup we try to be fast i think this is one of the main advantages that we have when we compete with large established companies for talent. So we try, in an ideal case, we can get from first call to offer in a week, which is usually uh, then faster than our uh, more established competitors. And the process, um, we try to keep it pretty lean, but the principles that we follow is that we don't require any cover letters or anything like that. So you just apply with your CV and your GitHub profile or your existing portfolio. If you're a designer, for example, uh, but we don't we don't make you sit down and write a cover letter. I think there's not really any any point to that, especially not now with all the AI tools available. Um, and then what we do is a couple of calls. Uh, we do a first screening call, which is done by one of one of the co-founders, typically depending on the role, um, that usually lasts thirty minutes and is really about um, kind of uh, culture ad, as we like to call it. Um, so not culture fit, but really thinking about what can this person add to the team that's maybe not represented yet, and are they generally a nice human being? Um, and then that's that's the first step. And then the next steps are a typically a technical call. So this depends on the role, but for engineers, for example, it's a 60-minute technical discussion with one or two team members. Again, there we don't make people do a coding challenge because we think that in many cases this is a little bit antiquated. Um, and again, can be solved by ChatGPT um, in most cases. Um, and then following the technical call, if that goes well, we do a team call where the candidate then within one hour meets two or three other team members as well, usually from other teams um, that they would be working with. So for example, an engineer would then meet someone from design and from the data team. And then if that goes well, we do a final founder call, which is usually around 45 minutes where the candidate then speaks to the two other co-founders that they haven't met yet in the very first call. Yeah, it sounds like a really well-rounded process, to be honest. And I like what you were saying there about like no tech tests and also no cover letters. These are usually kind of the most time-consuming elements of an interview process, aren't they? And, and I think you're right about cover letters. I don't think 
especially again when I hear around in the office I don't hear any consultants saying oh they didn't put a cover letter down so they can't have an interview it's not it's just not really a case anymore is it especially in tech I would say you know you're not interested really of of how charismatic they seem on paper like you can just meet them in person or you can like you said just look at the uh, the github or something it's very simple um and i think that's great i think that's really cool and like you said with speed as well against the bigger competitors that's such a good shout also like you know i think especially with the, the market the way it is people do kind of want a quick turnaround and they you know and especially with all developers are pretty much in demand all the time so getting the right one you kind of need to do it quickly because otherwise they're going to lose interest and go somewhere else and it's because they know that it's, it's pretty much guaranteed a lot of the time if they're an exceptional talent so um I know you kind of just walked me through your hiring process there and my next question was going to be kind of like what what is your ideal hiring process but presumably that's the same one that you've crafted yourself um what kind of um just for anyone listening who's kind of listening to maybe understand more about how they can bring more diversity onto their team for example like how would you say or what what kind of no-nos or red flags in a hiring process do you think would exclude people who you know maybe would, would, would be looking to join a team and someone would want to hire them again not to tick boxes but because they want more diverse representation yeah and something in their hiring process puts them off like what 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 would you say that could be yeah so i think the the key kind of principle that we look at is really this culture ad idea so no matter how big your team already is or who's already in your team you can always think about what are some things that are not represented here yet right and this could be someone from a different country ethnicity speaking a different language having lived in different countries having worked in different types of companies before um, so really having that as your guiding principle rather than culture fit which then in the end can result in just having uh, 20 people that are exactly the same have the same background so I think that's the most important um, and then the other things um, that that we look for which I think also help contribute to a to an inclusive and diverse work environment are sort of is the candidate very um, kind of reflective and humble so willing to learn and willing to learn from from others as well right so I think this is super important and can really help foster more kind of inclusive and collaborative work environment yeah <clears throat> I think those are great points as well and it all it kind of all comes back down to kind of making yourself come across as 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 what you actually are there's only so much kind of not pretending but there's only so many things you can do to make your company look a certain way to a star candidate with until they actually clock on and realize you're actually not as diverse or you're not as inclusive as you're kind of letting on so having those principles in place genuinely um is is super important i totally agree with you um let's talk about kind of women in tech for a sec because i know you said that you have like a non-male um identifying percentage in your company and that's that's really brilliant um what do you think obviously it's not a hidden fact that there is a lack of women in tech um what do you think um kind of can be it's a very vague question but what do you kind of think can be done from maybe people in your position or from anybody kind of just listening who's in tech in some sort of role what can be done to raise the confidence of women in tech yeah i think that's a it's a very big challenge still right and obviously an ongoing one i think what we've seen uh, work well and what we try to support is uh, specific events like for example women in ai there's lots of lots of different formats that are happening right and we try to support those by encouraging our existing team members to use that um, obviously to to first and foremost talk about diversity 
um, in AI, in tech, etc. Um, not so much to just talk about spoke and us. Um, so that that's I think that's one thing that we try to support um, with these events. And then the second one is around our own channels, right? And the content we put out and encouraging our team members to become thought leaders in certain areas to share, um, for example, challenges that they face. We run one initiative that's called Documenting in Public, for example, where we just publish some of our internal documentation around challenges that people work on and then solve or fail to solve, but learn something from it. So um, just encouraging people to authentically kind of share um, about learnings, challenges, et cetera, I think can be very encouraging. And obviously, if that's also women sharing and that are already in certain roles, I think that can they can serve as role models to aspiring data scientists, engineers, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Do you have, I know you, you mentioned earlier about you, you do make sure that your kind of leadership um, as well as the team on a whole kind of hit that benchmark of your diversity and inclusion targets. Like, how, do you find a lot of um, more like women junior engineers or do you, do you kind of find them more women at entry level? Um, I only asked that because I had um, a really amazing guest on a few weeks ago, Leah Cohen, um, and she actually was talking about women on entry level and, and a lot of the time women have kind of made a complete career change to get into tech as opposed to not mm -hmm. you know it's not factually like massively accurate like in terms of I don't have the numbers for you but definitely I think more women would have a career change or tech isn't necessarily their first career option in a lot of cases do you find that or, or is it kind of you do you kind of select kind of certain people with certain backgrounds or anything like that when it comes to their entry level and where they're coming into your company, what position they're coming into and things like that? Yeah, good question. I would say that probably our sample size in terms of just our team size and the number of applicants that we um, see is probably too small. Mm -hmm. uh, but they're, yeah, looking at, at our team, there's probably a slight bias towards women being in, having slightly less work experience. Mm -hmm. which might be because because it's just a more recent kind of phenomenon that more women go into into tech um yeah i haven't yeah. have i don't have any data on it but i think no that's, no that's fine sense. i know i kind of uh, put you on the spot a little bit there and threw that one out there for you but it's i just think it's a very interesting kind of ongoing conversation so it's good to get kind of a, a tech leader's input on that so i just thought i'd take my opportunity but um it's it's definitely an ongoing conversation i think and it's interesting to hear um what people have to say about it so um yeah it's i mean it's i can't believe that we've already kind of come towards the end of the episode i think it's definitely a, an episode that I could probably get a good three or four more hours out of. Um, but in terms of uh, my sort of penultimate question, and it's a question that I always ask my guests, um, it's it's what would what would you describe yourself as a as a how would you describe yourself as a leader in three words? Mm, yeah, I think that's not an easy question to answer. I think what yeah. I would say is like how I would like to be perceived by others is uh, as pragmatic, transparent, and loyal. Yeah, transparency comes up a lot. I think that's a really brilliant one as a as, as any leader in any industry. I think transparency and 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 loyalty as well. Like, um, when when you say loyalty, do you mean kind of in terms of your team being able to trust you, or is it kind of you know you you sticking up for your team, or is that a kind of co-founders attitude as well? Like, how what 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 would you mean when you say loyal? Yeah, I think um definitely building relationships over time investing in relationships with team members um supporting them when also when they face some 
more difficult time for whatever reason, be, be it professionally or personally, um, because I think that investing in, in those kinds of relationships long term really pays off a lot. Yeah, I think that's a brilliant that's a brilliant response. I wasn't trying to quiz you there on uh, on what you meant. I just I just thought it was very interesting. I don't think anyone said loyal before, um, but it's, it's absolutely right. It's a very very good quality to have as, as any leader, isn't it? Um, so on to my final kind of question then for you, and and again, it's one that I ask um a lot, but I think you're the first person who's kind of been on the show who's who's founded um uh, an AI company, which is quite interesting, and also. Um, who has had to sort of deal with the diversity side of AI. I think that's a really interesting, fairly niche subject that um, I'd definitely love to get you back on maybe in six months' time and we see how Spoke AI is going and um, see if you're still hitting that 50% benchmark as well. Um, that'd be really cool. But um, my, last, my last sort of question is, um, is what advice would you have for someone looking to either found their own company or someone looking to get into AI or just generally somebody in your position? Yeah. That's a great question, I think. I mean, with the kind of recent hype in AI, obviously things are developing very, very quickly and there's new new ideas, new tools every day, et cetera. So what I would say as an advice is to, when you found a company or start building a team, just make yourself aware that building any company, I think, in 99.9% .9 of the cases really takes a lot of time. So you're thinking about probably the next 10 years of your life. So really think about who you want to be spending that time with um, and make sure that those are people that you really want to spend a lot of time with in the next couple of years. Because we, I think in our society today, we obviously have a lot of biases in terms of we only hear about these overnight success stories, et cetera. Um, and then if you do some digging, even most of those success stories actually took five to 10 years to build. So yeah, just be aware of that time scale and make sure you find the right people to go on that uh, journey with yeah i think that's brilliant that's really really good advice isn't it and i think the practicality of founding um is 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 often overlooked like you say you're right with the with the overnight success stories left right and center um you're absolutely right um honestly max thank you so much for your time um i wasn't lying when i said i think we could definitely get a few more episodes out of diversity in ai i think it's a really fascinating subject and one that's only going to develop over time as well so um yeah thank you so much um for your time today it's been lovely thanks for having me no, that's lovely. Um, so if you're watching on YouTube, you can hover over the logo in the corner just there, or it might be that side. I never get that right. Um, and you can just go ahead and hit subscribe to see all the rest of our episodes and future ones as well. You can follow us on social media at Amicus Jobs and head over to our website, amicusjobs.com for tech news, webinars, blogs, and keep up to date with all the latest Python, Golang, JavaScript, machine learning, and Rust roles everywhere. Um, we recently expanded our technology, so that is such a mouthful now to say. Um, thank you again so much, Max. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you.